0: Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we are building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton from Lift and Love, and I will show you how to lean into your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ.
1: And I'm Jenny Hunter of Jenny Hunter Coaching. I will help you identify obstacles that could get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships and realizing the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons we've learned through our own lives, the experiences of families we've worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. Hello, our Lift and Love community. We are so excited today because we have one of our favorite people, and I think one of your favorite people here today as our special guest, and you're just gonna be so excited. We're so thrilled to have this conversation with Richard Osler, Papa Osler, as he's known. And he's just, he's the rock star in the LGBTQ community. I mean, I can't tell you how many times um, my clients or my mom has said, well, the, I was listening
0: to Papa Osler's podcast or um, I was reading Papa Osler's book and- (laughs) Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, when we post this podcast, we're gonna put out a poll and see how many people have heard at least one of your podcasts. Cause I would imagine we'll be at a hundred percent.
1: And I would love to see how many have read the book and how many have given the book away because that people love to give your book to other people, which I think I mean, what a great gift to you, right? Like to write something that they not only love to read, but they love to gift to people. I think that just says volumes.
0: It's amazing. Okay. So let me introduce him because we're already so excited about him. (laughs) We, you know, there's just so much to talk about. This can be a four hour podcast. So everybody get a drink and (laughs) get a snack. snack. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to meet Richard, um, at a, um, in circle event, we got asked to come and work on a brochure that they were putting out we were both there. It was my first time. He was a veteran already. Um, it was my first time advocating and kind of jumping into that arena after I lost my brother. And we started talking. And about two weeks before I started realizing that my daughter had been really good friends with a, a kid named Jacob Osler. Oh, and funny. You didn't, we were, you didn't know each other. all. Oh, okay. No. And best. I said to oh. her one day, is that is his dad like Papa and She's like, yeah, duh, mom. Like, Thank you. Um, and so we were talking and we were talking about our kids. And I think we said, I think our kids like each other. Isn't that where we were talking about it?
2: I do remember. I can still sit, remember where you sitting on the table. And we had this discussion.
0: Yeah. And they got married a year later. Wow. So, our, oh, great. so we are eternally bound to each other. And I, um, in fact, it's funny a woman who I've known for quite a while texted me the other day And I'd listen to something that you had said, and she said, there's no, what did she say? There's no doubt that you two were brought together um, for a bigger purpose. And I like to think that is very true. Papa Osler, as I like to call him, uh, has mentored me in many ways along this path. And if I get really frustrated, I can call him and be like, what do I do? Or what do you, how are you putting up with this? And it's interesting because one day I was really anxious like, and I was like, "You need to put parent stories on your, you know, like positive, like all the great things that are happening on your website." And you kind of said to me, "Like, why don't you do it?" <laughs> I was like, oh. "I can't do everything, Allison." Is what I No, <laughs> isn't that funny? That's how people are with with um, yep. with those that really are making change. They're like, "Do more, do more," and it's like we're like could you come in and help us? So that's a long story and we haven't even let him speak, but I am so grateful to have um, Papa Osler, Richard Osler on our show today. He is a wealth of knowledge. He um, and a good friend to both Jenny and I, and um, we're so happy to have you. Yes.
2: Well, thank you, Jenny and Allison. It's good to be here.
0: Well, and we'll try and let you talk and not just talk about (laughs) you the whole time. Right. <laughs> so let's but what's that?
2: You, you two are doing great work. Oh. Um allies generally love to see other people stepping in the space. And so I'm just thrilled with the work you're doing. Um I send so many people to your um organization, maybe one a week, one every other week, for your parent support groups for all these wonderful resources. And now you're doing podcasts, so it's just a great work both of you are doing, and um, you're on the Heavenly Father's errand to bring more love and understanding, and as parents of LGBTQ children, you know this space well, and sometimes it's the mom's hearts. That's certainly been part of my journey is listening to moms, Mm -hmm. um, LGBTQ children, and I've always felt they have pretty good insights for their kids, and so that's been very helpful for me as an ally, to listen to lots of stories. and. As your listeners may know, you've both been on our podcast. Jenny was on episode two eighty nine, and Allison with Kirk Richards was on episode one seventy. Yeah. And so we're glad to have both of you on those on the podcast, and I'm glad to be here
0: today. Well, you, I, I again, I'm grateful to you because that's how I learned about podcasts. And interestingly, I never considered getting in this space, in the podcast space. I thought Instagram was good enough, and Jenny and I, I got to say something really too. That's so funny because, um, my whole practice was, um,
1: marriages before I was on your podcast Richard. and afterwards everybody's like, Oh, like there was just a floodgate. And it was the Lord, like, you know, you have to coach on this. Like, you know, these families, this is where you need to go. And so it was kind of a, um, watershed awesome. moment for me to like. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I was kind of pushing against it because there's a little, you know, this this is a little more painful than marriages sometimes. And well, um, and
0: it pushes against marriages often too, which is so good it that actually. That experience. Yeah, it that. Yep. yeah, so um I hadn't even considered doing podcasts, and I just you were the gold standard, and and then Jenny and I would have these big conversations and we'd be like, We should record these because. Um, because of the secrecy around LGBTQ folks in the church and parenting them, um, we just kind of realized that there was there was goodness in in just teaching parents how to parent, like not teaching them how to parent, but showing them how we do it, so that right. they can stay feel free active, to right. do it themselves. Yes, and and absolutely how we are connected to the Savior through right. this work. So you sort of kicked us both on like both in gear interesting yeah, trajectories. Too. So I, I just think that you're, and thank you for the sweet words about, um, what we're doing, but your you w- your work is, it's just, it's, you know, it's the million fragments in every heart. So I, you know, that are just healing people and keeping them connected to the savior and I am really glad to know you for that. Uh, yes.
2: Well, thank you.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's talk about quickly, and, and a lot of people will know your story, but how? let's talk about how you got started.
2: Well, in 2013, I was called to be a YSA bishop, um, and I had priesthood responsibility for a couple of gay men. And it was the first time that I started to see LGBTQ people as our people and not this other group of people. And that was a Mm. 180 degree shift for me because my whole life I've just sort of had LGBTQ people defined for me as this outside group of people that may pose some sort of abstract threat. And it all shifted. And that shifted, obviously, for lots of your listeners when they became parents. Mm-hmm. an LGBTQ child, because you know the heart and the goodness and the purity of your child. Um, but it came through me through priesthood responsibility, and I felt just to listen. Um, I, I don't want to grade myself, but one of my Christ-like attributes, I think, is to listen and be open to changing. Elder Uchtdorf has a great quote I put in my book. Sometimes we have to get past mm-hmm. the massive iron gate of what we thought we already knew to be able to He Mm -hmm. talks about this massive iron gate, and I recognize that that I had a massive iron gate of what I had already concluded about LGBTQ people. And Heavenly Father, in a a moment of probably asking me to repent, said, you've let straight people define this group for you. Um, If you want to see them the way I see them, you need to talk to them
3: oh you need mm -hmm. to be
2: open to learn and their parents because often their parents had very helpful insights so I just kind of started from scratch I did what I call a hard drive reset I said I don't know what's good or bad in there Mm -hmm. it's like you know I I can take a cholesterol test and kind of get a number but I didn't know how much internalized homophobia or transphobia I had so I just said I'm going to start from scratch and let LGBTQ people define LGBTQ for me and it's been transforming for me
1: Oh, can we just stop um, right there? I'm going to let LGBTQ people define LGBTQ for me. I think that if we could learn from just that sentence, Richard, it's beautiful. I mean, to really like, like take our straight or heterosexual view and realize like, like it's not, it's not correct. You know, we're off base a little bit.
0: Well, uh, we, we put, we say that there's gay people, trans people are heterosexual people gone wrong. Right. And that's that, that can't be right. <laughs> there's nothing wrong about these amazing people. So, looking at it, like you said, as a new, like a hard reset. Yeah. Who are these amazing people? And, and, and I like to always say, like, what was the Lord's plan? Because we, there's a sort of a flooding of people coming out. What's the Lord's plan? What are we here to learn by this? beautiful flooding of people who feel comfortable enough to embrace this part of them.
2: And I think that's an improvement in society that more people are coming out. Mm -hmm. I think there's been about the same number of people, all, but I think because of women like you and better societal messages and people in all walks of life that are stepping forward, I think younger people are coming out. And I think that's a good thing because then parents can walk with them. They shame one of Satan's greatest tools to separate us from our heavenly parents. And isn't that true? You two and each other. And yeah. each other. So yeah. if there's all this shame about not being straight and you think this is, un, this part of you is displeasing to your parents, to God, Satan just use that to isolate you and keeps that in your head. So if you can come out and not everybody needs to come out, but if you can come out, <clears throat> I find that people then have a better relationship <clears throat> with their parents, um, but especially often with their heavenly parents, because they just come to this conclusion that God loves me and he is not ashamed of this part about me. And I can have a wonderful relati- relationship with my heavenly father, my heavenly parents. And Satan then loses his ability to put a wedge between LGBTQ people and their heavenly parents. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so good. But one of the things as I started to reprogram, you both just touched on is I had assumed something had gone wrong here. Mm -hmm. So I'm in my, I'm 60 now. And the narrative I would is that something had gone wrong here. And we've had all these things that you're both aware of that we've used in society to explain it away. Well, this is why someone's gay or this is why someone's gay. And um, the church doesn't teach that. Church teaches that we don't know why someone's gay. And Elder Holland has said we shouldn't expect that will change. Right. And that's a big shift in my lifetime, but gradually I came to the conclusion that Heavenly Father doesn't make mistakes and he's not surprised. And mm-hmm. and I've had the honor to give hundreds of priesthood blessings now to LGBTQ people. I don't, I when, love people come, mm. when people come and visit with me, I I don't visit with them in an official church position. I just am an active member of the church that holds the priesthood. And often I will just invite, ask someone if they'd like a blessing.
3: That's so beautiful. Um,
2: and often people say, I'd love a blessing. And I've, that's been really sacred for me. And I don't talk about it too much, but I, a couple of consistent themes that I felt is I've never felt impressed with the that I hold. I've felt an impression from Heavenly Father in those blessings to sort of change their orientation or gender identity, or to create a feeling that something went wrong here. I've cr- always felt the feeling that this is, this is, who they're meant to be and they're on the same moral footing as a straight person in the eyes of God, they're equal and,
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: equally loved and there's no mistake. There's nothing that's gone wrong here. There's nothing. And that doesn't change our doctrine, um, that it just puts everybody on the same moral footing. um, And, and I think is really helpful for LGBT and everybody to just look at LGBT people as equal. And there shouldn't be any shame about someone being LGBTQ.
0: I love that.
1: I do. And how did like, like, because you've seen like giving a blessing, I think really, I've never obviously given a blessing, but I would imagine that you get to see this person the way Heavenly Father sees this person. That's part of that act. Right.
2: You know, I've, it is Jenny and I, it's been some of my most, I have blessed some people that are some of the most valiant premortal spirits
3: Mm.
2: that are LGBTQ. And I've had this feeling a couple of times that I've blessed somebody sort of like Elder Holland-like, but we understand Elder Holland. He is more of a public ministry. He's using all of his gifts and attributes to bless our church and bless the world for everybody to listen to him. But I have blessed some people that have sort of been Elder Holland-like, men and women, but who they are, and their life mission and the goodness uh, is largely masked from our eyes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and we just don't see them the way a Heavenly Father, or Heavenly Parents see them. And a couple of those priesthood moments, I feel like the veil's been thin where I've just been able to. I have blessed some people that I've had the impression have been great mentors to me in the pre Earth life. Oh, people wow. that I looked up to. Um, biologically, they were younger than me here on Earth life. So, yeah. oh. um,
1: but what, um, what, some, what some
2: were oh. female, and um, but I've had this impression that there are some people I've given blessings to that in my worldview I'm a male, I'm older, a younger, but this sort of shift of like, wow, you were actually a mentor to me, you were in the spirit life, wow, you were, and those are just really sacred. But I just sort of see sometimes the way our heavenly parents see us, um, and especially our LGBTQ friends. Um, so anyway, that's been, I just wish everybody could have that experience in the church,
1: but no Um, wonder you're a effective ally because just to have that gift of kind of seeing heavenly father, our parents, children in through their eyes and to that changes your heart. You're never the same. And no wonder, I mean, you're so nurturing. Like when we did our podcast with you, it was so nurturing and such, such a safe place that I think that's just part of your spiritual gifts is like heavenly father knew that you would create the safe place. And now he's given you this vehicle to be this ally and to um, spread the word about his children that wasn't spread before. Like your voice through your book and your podcast, I it's affected thousands. Like you don't even know.
0: And um, I would say tens of thousands, tens of thousands. Right. uh, And, you know, uh, and, and maybe even, you know approaching on millions just as we filter this information out right but why did it because the listen the listen love and
1: learn podcast and Listen, learn love listen learn, learn love. love yes it we will um, um we've referred to it like we've had guests that you've had on so we've already put in our show notes but we're putting your show notes because if you haven't you've been living in rock. but if you haven't listened go listen to this amazing podcast and you've done what how many now richard over 300 right
2: yeah. In right. fact, we're in the 400s and wow. the podcast, you know, the goal of the, po- even though I'm talking and giving my story, I felt impressed that my job as an ally is to use my privilege to magnify other voices. And so I, my podcast platform is generally just letting somebody and just share their story. And, um, and I don't try to share just one type of story. So I have a range of stories as you two know, mm. and it's, so I'm not trying to create a correlated narrative like the way to do this is being a mixed orientation marriage, or the way to do this is to be celibate, or the way to do this is to be in a same-sex marriage. I just tried to feel impressed, you know, and obviously a same-sex marriage is out of the doctrine of our church that I invite everybody to follow, but I felt impressed just to bring a range of stories, as long as they're supportive of the church and, you know, trying to still make the church work in their lives the best way they can, so that people can just hear a range of stories sometimes we just like hear one black teenager story and we go that's now I know every black teenager or I know every you know immigrant that's living here you know and so I've learned that in this space there's thousands of different stories and so that's the book is really very little about me um, and same with the podcast it's just trying to bring and they're my heroes yeah. um they're the people as you know that bravely and vulnerably share their story not all of them are our podcast is sort of the maybe 70 percent are lgbtq but it's all the sort of vulnerable stories that people share about you kind know of the others
1: through, yeah yeah the other.
2: through this drug addiction right. this one guy just reminded me of this podcast where he said i left priesthood in the next hour i went and did drug deals and i came back for thir- you know or the middle hour of three hour and yeah. He, you know, so it's all these brave people sharing their story. And and that to me is part of de-shaming. It doesn't change our commandments, but it takes shame out of a lot of these. And people that are listening don't feel alone when they hear somebody else. So right, it's an because... honor to be to just use a platform I have to magnify their stories
1: but I think that's the magic of it of like, it's just the human experience, right? Like, yeah. like really humanizing each other and saying like, we all are striving. We all, we all have, your story is important. I mean, that is the magic of your podcast, but what inspired you to start it? Because it was, it affects so many. I would just love to know what backstory of why you started it.
2: So that's it. so uh, being a YSA Bishop in Utah is, about a, is a three-year assignment. So I was, in my third year. And I started to put, and I'm a, it's a long story how I got in social media, I won't share that right now, but I was into social media. And so I started to post kind things on social media about gay people. And that's not something a YSA bishop usually does, <laughs> but they were just like church quotes and going out to lunch with a, a gay person. And it was fascinating what happened in my ward is actually no more YSAs came out, but the straight kids I had a lot of straight. Well, most of them were straight, obviously, but I had a lot that were not active in the church, that were still on my social media, and some obviously were active. And what happened was fascinating: is a lot of those just concluded, "Okay, I can talk to this guy. Mm. If he's going to sort of go there with LGBTQ people as a church local leader and just say kind things about a group, we usually don't say kind things about." He can handle what I need to talk to him about. Wow, and that's it's interesting. A great principle of parenting of any church calling is if you've got, if you're sort of talking nice about everybody, which is what Jesus did, you become a safe person for your kids, for people you minister, for people in your ward. So that's a really important principle for your listeners. And Elder I think that's great.
0: (laughs) And I Um, think that's here. And here's the thing, because I know that this is a scary space for so many to, to come into this allyship and, I know it's a scary, um, people afraid they're going to lose their testimony if they dive into spaces like this, but, um, what you said is you opened, um, you opened your heart, you opened vulnerability. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. You were vulnerable enough to share something on the website that allowed others to see you as someone who would love them. And, yeah. and so when we become allies, we tell people like, um, my heart is big enough for you and that doesn't have to affect your, your gospel understanding your anything. You don't have to speak against the church to do these things. All you're saying is that story is so interesting to me because it's interesting to you. It's painful to you. And I love you. And lo- the Lord loves you. And I think that There's, is a really important part that people don't understand how, how easy it is to be an ally, that it doesn't take you out of the, the doctrine of the church.
2: In fact, I believe it's the doctrine of the church that creates allies, as you two know, is, right. is, is the waters of Mormon, where I look at our baptism covenants, this had a vertical component, your listeners, that's a line going up and down to God and commandment, keeping it a horizontal Mm -hmm. which is our relationship with others. And when Alma extended that invitation in Mosiah 18, it's interesting. He went to the vertical first. He talked about bear, mourn, and comfort as the first first part of his baptism invitation before he went sort of to follow God and keep the commandments. So I just think those are part of our baptism covenants to bear, mourn, and comfort. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us can agree that LGBTQ Latter-day Saints have a harder road, and so what's our responsibility to lighten their load, and that's what Christ seemed to do. Mm. Back to Jenny's question a little bit, so I um, I just started to post kind things on social media, and one side story is there was a young man I was teaching the gospel to that wasn't in our ward. Um, he was kind of a distant friend through social media, and he actually was nervous about some of the church's positions with LGBTQ, and when I posted some stuff about LGBTQ, he told me later it was key, it was key for him to consider and ultimately joining church. He's straight. Um, but it was part of just this kindness to all sorts of groups of people that resonated with his millennial view of what he wanted in a faith, a faith that's very inclusive, a faith that wants the most marginalized to feel welcome, that he's not looking for a faith that was just for the most privileged to feel welcome. He wanted to be involved with an organization that was working to have the most marginalized feel included. And so it's just interesting that that um, ended up being part of his journey to end up joining the church. I had the honor to baptize him. In fact, that last year, I had the honor to baptize three straight people um, that sort of connected with me on social media. But um, I ended up just writing about LGBTQ. You get in a space and your heart kind of opens and so I started to talk more about it on Facebook and gradually my son-in-law suggested you should do a podcast because your Facebook posts are getting too long. And I thought I would just <laughs> talk on the podcast, but quickly I, the light came on that I should have people on the podcast. And I just felt like as an extension, my bishops interviews, my best bishops interviews I felt was 80% listening mm-hmm. and asking up follow questions. And often I didn't give advice. I asked them, what do you think you should do? And it was often the very thing that I would suggest anyway. And I think it helped them because I think they felt more sure of their decision. But I don't say that's a perfect formula, but I just, the longer I served as a bishop, the more I just listened and asked follow-up questions and didn't do a lot of prescribing. I did at times. I always invited people to you know, follow church teachings. But I think the podcast was just an extension of my bishop's interviews and just letting people come and tell me their story for an hour. And it was just a real natural transition as I re- was released, and have been doing podcasts ever since.
0: Oh, beautiful. So it's it's a, it's just an amazing transition, and and I I would imagine that this has changed you, like the fundamental core of who you are. I
2: well, know. it has. I mean, it's broken my heart open. Mm. It's been incredible pain. As you step into space, you recognize that. Latter day Saints that are LGBTQ are generally not having the same experience as straight Latter day Saints, and that's painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've learned to sit with the pain in my own heart and to sit with and to validate people's pain. So if someone comes and talks to me and says, I think, and I, you know, honoring other people's pain, I quickly learned I could do that and still love the church.
3: Mm -hmm. I didn't sort
2: of have to, and that's
1: Christ, right? That is Christ. That I mean, that is what He did, He honored people's pain.
2: Exactly, Jenny. And sometimes I think we don't want to honor how people feel because it's like we have to. We can do both, you know. I mm-hmm. could honor how people feel, and I felt that helped them heal. Just to have people have somebody validate how they felt, and often it was all they needed to move on if, if, to continue to participate in the church, or just having someone honor. that they've had a difficult experience, or if you're LGBTQ, yeah, your road is harder. There's no question. Mm -hmm. I'm going home to my wife and six kids. And if you're gay, you're not sure, you know, you just don't know your future. And I get tender hearted. So my heart is just opened up and broken. It's caused what I call a mini faith crisis. To be honest, I Mm talked about that pretty publicly. and I just, I had a mini faith crisis where some, I look at my testimonies like a series of dominoes. And if your testimonies like that, if one domino falls they kind of all fall yeah. but, and this but what happened for me is a couple of dominoes fell just around the church's historical position with LGBTQ and some issues and maybe how we could be kinder and more loving and more understanding so that's kind of a current issue so that's kind of a domino that's fallen or leaning but I have dominoes with really deep roots that aren't leaning at all and that keeps me a very traditional believing member like you know my that we have this beautiful it's really comes through the restored doctrine of the restoration that's so unique to our faith Mm -hmm. that's the core of my testimony and that includes relationship with heavenly parents that I can have a personal relationship with heavenly parents and we've defined them in a way that I think is accurate they love us they care for us Um, it's it's a very loving relationship we could go on for that but There's just all these dominoes that keep me going. So some of your listeners may be in a faith crisis or sort of like, wow, there's some dissonance here. There's some, I'm seeing where the church in the past or maybe they feel in the current is not meeting the needs of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And so it creates dissonance. And that's just the way I've navigated that is I've honored that dissonance. And I've recognized there's beautiful restored doctrine that keeps me very grounded in the church. And a hope that... In this space, oh. I you haven't asked this question yet, but lots of people. The way I frame up this space is like a forty chapter book. The church's relationship with its LGBTQ members is like a forty chapter book. And what chapter um, are we on? <laughs> that's a great question. I used to guess, and now I don't because that because I don't know. But I do. This is what chapter forty feels like to me: is that a mom? And you, I use this analogy a lot. You two are moms. When you learn you have a gay son, you're not full of fear anymore. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: You're not full of fear for how this works for your gay son or your gay daughter in the church or in society or in the next life. Just like um, I think you have straight. Yeah, you both have straight children. You don't have that fear. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have any fear about how this is being straight. You have hope. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You have (laughs) hope for their life. Right.
2: Yeah. And to me, chapter 40 is when that fear is gone out of a mother's heart, learning her teenage son is lgbtq or teenage child and where it's equally the balm of gilead lgbtq members the same experience so i don't know heavenly father's will and i'm not a leader of the church but i can just faithfully say as a latter-day saint and i think most would agree we're not at chapter 40 Mm -mm. and there's just much more work to do here and some would say could our doctrine change and i say it could it's not an unfaithful position, I think, to say our doctrine could change because it's changed in the past. Um, oh, I just don't certainly. like to. I just don't like to go down the path of saying I, it, this. It will, and this is how it will change. Because the truth is, I don't know that. But there's some Latter-day Saints that, if we create a litmus test that, you, your only way you will let you be a faithful Latter-day Saint if you feel like nothing could ever change in the future, and that's a test of your loyalty to the church. We're going to get really small um, mm. because a lot of people that are faithfully staying in the church, but part of their hope is that we'll continue to receive line upon line revelation regarding LGBTQ Latter-day Saints.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and I think the ninth article of faith, and if I was like maybe 30 years younger, I could repeat it, but isn't it <laughs> that we, um, yeah. we believe all things we. Uh,
2: You're doing great. Allison. I mean,
0: <laughs> you know it, don't you? <laughs> Okay. Ninth article of faith. And yes, I had to look it up. We believe all that God has revealed all that he does now reveal. And we believe that he will yet reveal many great and important things pertaining to the kingdom of God.
1: Mm, That's just beautiful.
0: Well, and so when people say things don't change, like important things pertaining to the kingdom of God, that is our doctrine. Yeah. And the Lord maybe couldn't Uh, There's parts of our doctrine that couldn't survive the 1820s. There's part of our doctrine that certainly couldn't survive um, life right after at Jesus' time. There's there's more part of our doctrine that I'm sure that the Lord is excited to share with us that can survive in this time. And, and in the of times, times to come, to come this, right. Yeah. He said like, the Lord is going to do more miraculous things than he's
1: ever done. I mean, he said that, I think two conferences ago before he comes like, and I'm thinking he healed the sick, he like the blind, like, what is he going to, like, he could establish the church. Like, I'm so
0: excited to see what the Lord's going to do. Yeah. And, and I, not I firmly believe our LGBTQ people are part of this. I really yeah. do. And we don't need to put everything in a safe and lock the safe. We need to keep it in a space where it Breathes and grows, and and we can learn and understand what the Lord's teaching us, so we can embrace it. Yeah, yeah that that growth and That's understanding so- new doc- new ideas is part of becoming godly. Yeah,
2: um, and so there's just a lot of Latter Day Saints that feel, you know, that something, you know, they're uncomfortable about something, and we've I think we've seen enough changes in our lifetime to just know that. Con- and President Nelson sort of certainly set the expectations as you're both. So Mm -hmm. I want to create space in the church that if you feel like nothing's going to change in the future, the finish line of everything, that's fine. You're a faithful member of the Latter-day Saint. I don't Mm -hmm. want you to feel judged. I don't want you to feel like you're whatever. But if you're a a faithful Latter-day Saint and you confide in your spouse or your family or friend that you really are uncomfortable about something and you maybe even hope that a doctrine or a policy change, let's don't create a feeling if that person opens up vulnerably to somebody that Somehow they're the, they're on the beginning to leaving the church because then people just won't open up.
1: Yeah, that's that's the, that's the problem. Keep, yeah.
2: So let's keep you know just let's keep the conversations going. Where, where I and so for me as an ally, some people are uh, some people feel like to be an ally or to be a corrupt. You've got to ask the church to change or stop paying tithing or be mm. critical of the church. And I've just chosen as an ally. And I realize that some are disappointed in the way I've chosen to be an ally, but I think the majority are grateful the way I'm being an ally. So I'm an ally where I'm just absolutely 100% committed to church and absolutely 100% committed to LGBTQ people. Um, and I don't see that as a trade-off. Um, I don't see that as sort of like I'm selling out one to do the other. I just feel like this that's my space. And uh, Richard, very- let me ask you that yeah.
1: some people are disappointed with how you've showed up with this because being an ally is not an easy job. And so if you like took on their opinion of how you're doing it, you would no longer be an ally. So how do you process and get past those feelings of when you're feeling like they're disappointed, how you're showing up?
2: It's a good question because in my social media profiles back probably in 2015, I actually put LGBTQ ally in the profile. I was still a bishop and, over time, some people have said, "You don't meet my definition of an ally because, like, I'm fully participating in the church and not campaigning mm-hmm. for the church to change doctrine, and paying mm. tithing." And I've given those people permission to feel that way. Mm. You know, so I let LGBT people define ally because they can define it the way they want to. So some, yeah. I just pragmatically realize I'm not meeting their expectation of an ally and validate that.
3: Mm.
2: Um, but I have enough that say this meets my definition of an ally because you're magnifying my voice um, and you're magnifying lots of LGBTQ stories that it meets my definition. So I've, you know, I can't, I, that's just the way I've processed it um, as an ally. And if other allies are, I think each ally needs to understand their space, but I certainly invite allies to step in the space and all three of us and many others are active L- Latter-day Saints, deeply committed to church and deeply committed to um, more and barren comfort by bringing more understanding to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. There's so much, the bar is pretty low in this space, as you two know. <laughs> right. Like if, I did kind of get in butting up, could doctrine change? But even there's so much work to be done within our current doctrine that um, yeah. it, 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 is that, not even, oh that is
3: good these, right
2: you know and just
1: just to improve our um actions in our current doctrine yeah. that would be amazing oh, yeah. really
2: the so focus true focus of the book i wrote is just all the things we can do that just lifts the burden of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. It's a really repentance on my part because it's a lot of things I had assumed.
1: Yeah that, I felt the same. Yeah.
2: And so when I sort of stepped in this space I go oh my gosh oh my gosh. I mean, yes. Oh my gosh. And you're sort mm. of you feel Repentance is because repentance to me is a positive thing that's changing my heart or reprogramming past that massive iron gate that Elder Oopdorf talked about. And that's the so there's so much sort of internalized homophobia in the culture of the church where we just say, and we I call it common enemy intimacy. It's 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 a Mm. Brene Brown term, it's the Mm -hmm. opposite of true belonging. The bond we share is simply the hate the same people, the intimacy we experience is intense and gratifying and an easy way to discharge our outrage and pain, but it's not fuel for real connection. So the point of that quote is sometimes we create community at church or in a political party because we just want to throw bombs at people. And we talk bad about another group of people, Mm. and it does create connection. But to me, it's not the higher holier law that Christ wants us to live, our leaders, where we're actually elder cook talks about unity and diversity where we're creating unity and diversity so it's easy to find unity in a country club membership we're all the same political party we're all the same whatever Mm
3: -hmm.
2: but it's i don't think we want that in our congregations we want unity and diversity and so we want different people with different political views people that are straight and lgbtq people that are men and women's voices equally perhaps even undocumented workers and documented workers and legal people and i just think that's what the what our senior leaders want us to create and so there's just work to do there um especially well, for lgbt collateral saints because most as you two know this most of what they hear is they sit closeted as a 13 14 year old 18 year old are not positive comments about them no and so if their parents and their church community is saying negative things about them imagine how that's making them feel inside broken um yeah. broken and you both know that And you're helping and they may think their family parents feel the same way about them but we can learn in our lessons even if we're teaching the family proclamation we can still teach that and then we can talk about you know let's talk about lgbtq people and how this is harder for them because a lot of them just don't have it within their control to have that become a reality in their life and yeah. um, if you're a gay young man and you sort of ruled out marrying a woman in a mixed orientation marriage, then you, you're you never going to be able to, to live that possibility. And it's outside of their control. It's not like they can do something. You understand this and you're kind of getting me going here. So um, for me, one of the most powerful things for me is I always thought the atonement of Jesus Christ could do anything. And there's scriptures in the Book of Mormon that says you'll just lay it on the altar. And so a lot of these LGBTQ Um, saints go on missions or different Mm, periods of time they just lay it on the altar they become hyper obedient and of course they want to be straight you know who wants not to be straight if you're 18 or 19 or 20 or whatever and then they come home from their missions or this period of time of intense obedience and it hasn't changed and that can get them in the darkest spots emotionally and a lot of them what I've come to conclude is I don't like to put bounds on the atonement of Jesus Christ but maybe it's like having being left-handed or blue eyes. I have blue eyes or red hair. It's just this beautiful needed diversity. It's an attribute that's hardwired in you. Mm. And I can't use the atonement to change that. I can't, I can't use the atonement to go from straight to not straight. Right.
1: Right. And I don't think that's what the atonement is for.
2: It's you to know. heal broken hearts, Jenny. So right. I remember Ben Chilati's blog when I was getting programmed, he said, the Aton- I thought the atonement would make me straight, but it healed my broken heart. Mm. Right. Which and is... that to me just, I said, oh my gosh. Of course, Christ descended below things. We talk about the, the, the C and um, So that is really healing doctrine to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints is somehow my savior knows the pain of being LGBTQ. And he can go there with me and he can heal that pain from me. And sometimes they need to go therapy. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to say that, you know, sometimes you need Jesus and a therapist and wonderful parents, but that's sort of the reprogramming that I had to go through. And then I started to meet with gay Latter-day Saints, LGBTQ, and I'd pretend there was a red button on my round table. And I'd say, would you press this button to be straight? And some would press it to be straight. But the ones that sort of get in this real spiritual, mature state where I think they've received a lot of personal revelation, they go, no, I wouldn't press it. Because mm-hmm. this is my essence, all my Christ-like attributes, my gifts. It's all, t- and I'm pointing to the middle of my chest. I don't know why I am. That's, but it's just, and I think what a great place for someone to be is that they don't think they're broken and they wouldn't push that button. And they actually look at this. as a positive thing to make their whole life mission possible. Yeah. Their life mission is brutal at times. You can yeah. know that because your mother's a gay son. Um, and so but- you saw
1: the, your, the, the ones you met with when they said, no, I will not per- press that button, they are the ones who felt closer to Christ, like had done the work and I got think this understanding. I done the work
2: and were older and just, mm. and just this spiritual maturity and this personal revelation yeah. that now some would say, yeah, I'd still press the button because it's still really hard. Oh, <laughs> um, right. It, Which you, would, yeah,
0: so hard. And the Younger ones
2: traditionally would press the button, but they sort of But even the younger, one of the things I've noticed in the short time I've been in a space five years is just younger people, I don't want to make too many generalizations. When I meet with an older LGBTQ person, and this is maybe if I met with Preston, Mm
3: -hmm. your dear
2: brother that's gone, Mm
3: -hmm. you know
2: this, Allison, more than I do. But if I meet with someone my age or younger in the 50s or 40s, generally, they've just it's been so hard for them for so many decades. There's so much pain and trauma, even if they're fully participating in church. Mm. And I notice that, and that may not be true if you're older and LGBTQ and doing fine. I'm, I do not want to dismiss that, but younger people are stepping forward in a much better space, much, oh, so much, much less trauma, much less pain. Um, well,
0: I say to moms who come out like their daughter son is 14 or 15 and I'm like you are so lucky
2: exactly because you
0: is- can take that child and and say you are perfect you're yeah, very that- different but you're yeah. perfect and that so one of the things uh, we talk about oh, and that's
2: so important because it, yeah. it does complicate a mom's life if a kid comes out in their teens but it's it can be the very best moment for a family lucky to bring a family together and then you can walk with that kid and sitting that kid closeted all those years that and that's why as a parent you can start really early um just saying kind things about lgbtq people Mm -hmm. in your family circle long before you may never have an lgbtq kid but they're
0: hearing everything you're saying
1: and yeah. so are right. your
0: nephews and your nieces. and, and <laughs> right? The They're internalizing. They, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. they internalize the message. Whatever message you're saying, your children are internalizing
2: it. Yeah. And let me just make a comment. When I meet with, and I'm not a priest leader, but I some of your allies are wondering, well, how do you do this? And what I do is I love the principle of self-determination that a therapist taught me. And so I will invite everybody I meet with informally, just in my home to follow church teachings and to stay in the church. But if somebody says to me, my path is different, uh, my path is to be in a same-sex marriage, what I will say is I will walk with you. I will trust you to know your path. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I am just going to have this non-agenda love in your life, and I'm just going to leave this all at the Savior's feet. And to me, that's that's that has freed me to just not have to worry about everybody else's eternal salvation.
3: Yes. And just
2: honor everybody's individual journey. Um and I love not that. point to them, not not look at the celibate gay man in the church doing it. And then if if a year later he's married to a man, I, I don't look at that and say, one day he's the hero and the next day he's the villain.
3: <laughs> I mm. just
2: look at that's the same wonderful person that's doing the very best he or she can. And I will just walk with them in a non-agenda way. And I will just, I always invite them to, if they've they've separated themselves from the church, I'll say, stay close to God Mm -hmm. and stay close to the Savior. Take them with you in your life, participate in the church as much as you feel you can. And that's just the way allies how I handle that. I don't invite anybody to leave the church. I don't sort of say, well, if you're gay, I advise you to leave the church. I will always invite people to stay, but I always say you need to self-determine your best path forward and I will yes. walk with you and honor that and trust you.
0: Well, and why would we tell someone to leave the church? Like what What gets, or to stay in the church? Like what, what yeah, gets it's not into our, our head? What, say, yeah, when that's their, that is for them and- um, our savior and the spirit to kind of guide them along this rocky path of theirs. And, um, and we, we, I think when you're so good at just uh, just being with people and their experiences, because when we add burdens, like I think you should. Mm-hmm. To their hearts, we, we sort of get in between them and the spirit. Right.
2: And I think we as Latter-day Saints should be the best at this because mm-hmm. we have, an understanding of the plan of salvation that sort of takes us to the 40,000 foot level. Yes. God's at the 100,000 foot level, but sometimes we can go to the 40,000 foot level <laughs> because um, our understanding of a pre mortal life and a yes. post mortal life and why we're here. So we should be able to do the best job of just honoring personal agency and self determination.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and inviting, every, inviting people to join our church, people to stay in. But if somebody feels their path is, especially if they're LGBTQ, is to separate themselves. And I think if we're kind to people as they separate themselves, mm. if that happens, it helps to tamper down their anger and their pain. Many, of, you know, I just did a podcast with a couple in a same-sex marriage, um, Truman and Bray. And people would say, well, why would you do a podcast with you're an active Latter-day Saint. Why would you do a podcast with a couple in a same-sex marriage? And it kind of comes back to Elder Cook's quote, unity and diversity. And I want, I, I want to find unity in this space where we can honor everybody's stories. These are good men that are trying to stay connected to church and incredibly- They, they love the Lord. Unity. They love the Lord. They've got a great relationship with each other. I recognize there's a lot of ways to live life sort of off the covenant path, <laughs> Um, One is the multiple partners, the club scene, you sort of, you know, drugs, alcohol, all the numbing things because of all the pain you feel. And another way, it's still not the church path, but another way is a committed long-term monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, that's, I don't invite people that, but if you feel like that's your path, I think it's good to hear these stories of people on that road, because some people are so suicidal. It's the only thing they're considering. They don't see any way forward. Yeah. Um, and so they only consider this this there's just no path for me right and that is a potential path for some and I want to humanize those people and it's just pragmatically saying yeah we all agree they're not living the doctrine of our church but let's don't just define that experience for them by that statement I just said let's just see right. them the way God sees them as two wonderful people contributing to society moving forward with complexities in their life that we have no ability to really understand mm-hmm. and, and personal revelation if they feel that is their path
1: and, and yeah. they're, they're not they're not living that doctrine but they're living a lot of other doctrines yeah. just like we are right like <laughs>
2: Good i think point jenny
1: <laughs> like we are we are just like them in some ways and so yeah. like to, i love that um tool of how is this person just like me? Like this person wants to be in a committed relationship, wants to have a family, wants to serve God and serve our community. Like the, the fruits of their marriage are very similar to all of our marriages. Well, and, and then the when you see it on that, of a marriage, right, that right? Scope,
0: it's hard not to see the beauty. There's beauty in that marriage. Right. Too, and you know? you know, it's, I, I, I often looked, I, I was gifted with the, my brother's life, even though it was, painful and and um he he didn't he didn't follow any of the traditional paths once he left he did until he didn't anymore and then you know he was in the 70s and the 80s and it wasn't it was a life lived in the shadows and in the darkness and i just think what he wouldn't have given to be seven 15 right now and come out right now and be able to he was strong enough to be able to um live the life that he thought was good for him, but, um, stay closer to the church and to stay closer to God, which I know he's when he left the church, he sort of, he left, he had to leave God in a way that, that ripped a hole in him. And, um, what you're talking about is a, a more whole way. And, and we, we don't understand but we, I know that there's these men and you, you uh, interviewed two of them who are saying, I, I want the fullness of marriage and family, and I want to stay in the gospel. And I'm, I'm determined to do it. And I think that's a very right. I mean, those are the righteous desires that we raised them with. And we, we can at least say, wow, I love that you're still focused on I, not still, but we can say i love that you're focused on the lord and on growing and on loving and you know we can we can get behind that like jenny said
1: and so my question for you because you have been in here probably the longer than well longer than me allison's been in this probably the longest with her brother he was
0: was there a year before i you've been five years
2: yeah about 2015 Okay. Yeah. And
3: yeah. so what
1: changes have you really starting to see in the church and in the membership just within these five years? What kind of, can you, what, how have you seen hearts changed in our community changed? Is it for the better? Is it for the
2: worse? Um, I think one of the things I'm seeing is a lot more local leaders wanting to address this. Mm. Um, and they have a, some air cover from senior church leaders. You're, you're all aware of the quote of president Ballard, we need to listen to and listen. We need to listen to and understand what our LGBTQ members are experiencing and feeling.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I am seeing more bishops, Relief Society presidents, young men's presidents, young women's presidents, state presidents saying we need to talk about this subject in the walls of our church because our members are, and we need to learn how to talk about harder subjects here in yeah. church. And uh, and, and, and do you leaders, know,
1: one of the reasons local, for that is. I can't tell you how many bishops' wives I coach, and how many families <laughs> yes. like, uh, you know, like we have a gay in my my husband's state present. Like, it's affecting the membership now. It's affecting yeah. the leadership on a ne- level I've never seen before. Yeah. making it so personally.
0: I just gotta I
2: agree with that, and and so I think, and a lot of stake, a lot of local leaders are saying, I want to actually form like a FHE support group. Yeah, or you know, there's just two hours at church. So, someone want to do something that's more sustainable it's kind of a church supported so the stake is behind it
3: Mm -hmm. Um, but
2: it may be in a member's home for parents that have lgbtq kids yeah and we're going to go ahead and let the stake know that if they want to come to a member's home once a month or lgbtq members in the stake a support group for them Um, i'm seeing more bishops and stake presidents doing that and i'm assuming they're getting I've heard this a couple of times. You're getting area presidency. Okay. If you want to do that, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You can't call it like Sunday school. I heard one state decision, call it FHE, but you can't call it Sunday school.
0: Yeah. Um, I had a release society president reach out this morning just before we started recording saying that her release society, I mean, her um, she's in the release society presidency. Her release society president wants to do a support group. And so they were just asking for a format to run a support group. Uh, a little bit like Jenny and I do. Um, hmm. And like wh- how amazing that they'll do that. So, and but sometimes so they can't, people can't get buy-in from their, le- their leaders.
2: Right. And one of the things, and I know I think you both are part of this group. I'll just plug it. It's a Facebook group called LGBTQ and allies mm-hmm. towards stakes and missions. And it's a group mm-hmm. that has a very narrow focus it's just people that are trying to put together stuff on the local level, like a yeah. Sunday yeah. school class or a fireside. And they're all I, just like you two, you're getting all these messages, people saying, I want to do this. And I've actually got a bishop that says, I'll bring back to me a plan or something. Yeah. And so this group is everybody kind of sharing what they're, if they've got something going, they're uploading their documents.
1: Oh, they're the resources sharing. already up there is incredible. Are
0: Really good. So, so yeah. Richard, are you, I, I know that you started this, are you okay with just any leaders joining?
2: Yeah. In fact, I like leaders to join. I don't want to have it feel like it's just the local members sort of saying, this is how I'm going to approach my leaders. We have a couple of state okay. and bishops in there. Uh, several bishops have commented at times. So, this is how it's working in our ward, or yeah. this is an approach you might take with your bishops. So, so,
1: we're linked that Facebook in yeah, the show and notes we, so people can find that.
2: And there's group. like, well, we, it's only been going two months, and there's already 1,200 members in there. Yeah. Um, and incredible resources I think already. So yeah. much need, and you're, you're hearing, The other, so that's a big change I've seen is just um, there are local leaders. I mean, all our leaders are good, but I think our local leaders are particularly because they're ministering hearts are recognizing. I have stake members, that are LGBTQ and straight people that want to talk about this. I need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. the second thing I've seen. We've kind of touched on this is just that younger, more people are coming out and they're coming out healthier, much Um, healthier. And I think that's, um, uh, great news i'd love to talk just a little bit about trans is that okay yeah for sure yeah um because sometimes in um we if anybody's listening is never you know trans is a whole nother the best way that i've learned about trans is is the core thing is called gender dysphoria and i had a mother frame it up to me as it's like being carsick all of us can af- relate to being carsick it's oh that's like a good analogy yeah. It's the mismatch between, you know, it's the motion sickness that occurs. So when we're car sick, what do we all want to do? We want to get out of the car.
3: Uh-huh.
2: But imagine gender dysphoria It's this mismatch between your biological sex and how you feel inside.
3: Uh-huh. And
2: I'm cisgender. I feel none of that dysphoria. I have no car sickness. But right. imagine if you were just stuck in a car being car sick, you'd want to do anything you can to deal with gender dysphoria. And so gender dysphoria the church recognizes it's medically recognized it's not the mental illness it's a real thing the church has a website for transgender so transgender is people that take different steps to transition to deal with the dysphoria um, hormones is one example i did a podcast with an lds bishop he's biologically male he has gender dysphoria he takes estrogen
3: mm-hmm.
2: now to me that's kind of like jarring a male taking estrogen but then i heard what it does for him it just takes the edge off the dysphoria. It helps him just move forward. He calls it the ram in the thicket. Um, the church is allowing people in situations to take hormones. Um, so, as we're so,
0: hormone therapy
2: in, is accepted in, 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 in the handbook.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, certain age appropriate. There's some wording there that it's just not a blanket statement. <laughs> Um, I think there's some age and some of the clinical therapist vocabulary mm-hmm. added to that, mm-hmm. but he holds a temple recommend. He's not a bishop anymore, but he's been on the podcast, but I've just met with enough people that experiences gender dysphoria, that it's real. It's not a sign of the last days. It's not a sign of Satan deceiving his children. It's really new for us. Um, um, just like maybe gay people were 30 years ago, but I think we just have to go slow and hear people's stories. So we've done a lot of podcasts, and you probably have two. and you run a support group of parents with trans kids.
0: Mm-hmm. And we, we, I started that and realized like I was so not equipped for that. <laughs> so we handed it over to Anita or Irvin, Erwin, who, Erwin, who is yeah. absolutely uh, so that's the great. right woman for that. And that
2: group, and there may be some short-term experimentation where people do sort of have, but I would think people that experience long-term gender dysphoria, it's authentic. Mm-hmm. And imagine explaining car sickness to somebody in the 14th century that never had been in a car.
3: <laughs> they, didn't have,
2: like,
0: they didn't have. They uh, didn't have carriage sickness or. <laughs>
2: so that's sort of, and if you go down that road, it starts to create a lot of empathy and go, "Wow, I've never thought of it that way."
3: Mm-hmm. That's Maybe really good. Maybe I should good. listen
2: to trans people before I sort of make a bl- global statement. That just sometimes these global statements keep us emotionally safe. Um, if we can just dismiss it with. Satan's last days compute.
0: Yeah. You're, 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 you're,
2: you're, you're, Those Satan, are under I think we are one day closer to the second coming and Satan is real. I don't want to dismiss that. Right. But sometimes we just make these blanket statements that keep us emotionally safe. So I would either say if you're not ready to step into trans space don't make any statements about trans people. I call it the trap of un- unearned opinions. Don't don't make opinions about black teenagers or trans people or people we don't have experience with until we meet with those group people. So it's better to say nothing or wait till you're informed. Mm,
3: what a good I policy. Really agree, oh, agree
0: with that, that, that is a good
1: policy. Yeah,
0: And I'm glad that you hit on those phrases. Um, someone got hit with like the moral decay, LGBTQ yeah. people are in moral decay. They're the attack on the family, the confusion, Satan, you know, like all of those things. Oh, like these are saints we're talking about who yeah, are they're
1: children of God Yeah, who
0: are. Yeah. These are children of God who are managing something that is so f- hard for us to understand.
2: And, and that's probably the biggest invitation. Allison, yeah. as I give your listeners and sorry to interrupt, it's just, that was the shift for me is, you know, is to think of the when you think of LGBTQ and that unaided mind game, you know, you play,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: don't think of another group of people. Don't think of the don't think of commandment keeping or people break. Just think of our own people. Yeah, our own families and our own congregations. Um, Three to five percent, and that's been updated by Gallup, of the US population identifies as LGBTQ. If we just went with that number, which is low and times it by the whole church population of 16 million that means we have over 700,000 LGBTQ Latter-day Saints that's mm-hmm. enough for multiple people in every stake and every congregation yes that would fill up BYU football stadium for anybody's a BYU fan over 10 times with wow. an LDS LGBTQ person that's two full seasons of home games
0: 700,000. Wouldn't that be a hundred times? Cause it's what a 60,000.
2: It's sixty. 000, oh yeah. You're right. 10 times. Yeah, 10 <laughs> don't times let Alison
0: do math. Don't let the artist but, do the math. Don't let, don't <laughs> let her do math, but you know, BYU came out with their study and it was a, it was like, a, what, yeah. yeah, that one's what is it? 13.8% of the kids are 13.3% of so the people kids will
2: say, you know, my age group, about one or 2% identifying in the younger group. And so people would say, well, that's a sign of the last days and the moral decay. I actually think it's a sign of a healthier environment Mm -hmm. and a healthier culture and that we're improving as a church and a culture, just like we were around other social issues, like the role of women, um, understanding of black people, um, just some of these social issues that we're just as educations freeing. Um, And so it helps us then do a better job of bearing and lifting and comforting when we, when we better understand this group of people. So I, I I, I think, yeah. I don't know what the number is, but it's higher than three to five. So yeah. do you we, think that's one I of the reasons
1: that. we should be hopeful right now is because we are seeing more people come out? Cause that's an interesting way yeah. to look at that because we only hear, oh, people are coming out because it's the last days, but I love kind of your, um, reframing of you know, that.
2: In fact, I said a prayer this morning before this podcast and heavenly father said, everybody that hears your podcast needs to leave with more hope. There's so many things that create less hope. I think you two are doing that already naturally. I am a really hopeful guy. I mm. I don't have I don't have fear about LGBTQ people like I used to. I don't have fear about the last days. I think these are the best days. These are hard days. COVID's hard. But I just I sort of sometimes when I go to that 40,000 foot level and mm-hmm. see this beautiful plan of salvation, I just think God's in control. Mhm. Uh, my job is to love. My job is to not divide. I'm called to be a gatherer, not a sifter. I'm called to be mm. a stone catcher, not a stone thrower. Yep.
3: Um,
2: okay. And what can we do to bring ourselves together as the same human family? All of us here on this earth like voted for the same plan. Um, we're more alike than we are different. So I think with more coming out, Jenny, um, I mean, David let has come out, but, you know, younger people are coming out and they're feeling love and acceptance. And I think that. Is just a positive thing to help bring us together as the same human family. And yeah. um, and we just need to write more chapters. So I don't, you know, I just, I'm, and part of that 40 chapter book is recognizing prior chapters where there were difficult things said. So if we go back to those earlier chapters that you could pray to gay away, um, that this happened because you had a faulty parenting style. You've heard all these things, mm, you got exposed mm-hmm. to pornography, oh, yeah. sexually abused. That's been sort of the narrative. And if you come to the conclusion that, no, they just come this way, just like left-handed people come this way, right? you know, but you sometimes in the earlier chapters, you have to validate the pain people have felt, um, parents and, and it helps them heal. So that's part of the visual of the 40 chapter book is to validate prior chapter pain.
0: We want our moms in your 40th chapter as soon as they can get there, (laughs) just knowing that, that this is going to be okay that their family is going to be okay that they are they're gonna their children are gonna go on to have amazing lives and um that god is walking with them that's right and, and god teaching is in charge them. like richard said yep. yeah he is this is i think
2: sometimes we think it's a it's a pie and if we have this plan for straight people and if we if we work on creating more of a plan for gay people, it takes from my plan, my wife, you know, we have this wonderful plan with our six straight children. (laughs) Um, One of them that's married to your daughter, obviously. And sometimes (laughs) I think we have fear that if we continue to get line upon line upon revelation for a plan, a better plan for LGBTQ people that gets that somehow robs this plan. And I just think we can do both. Yeah. We just don't think in this binary that we can, you know, that there's a, there's a way to grow the plan of salvation um, that, that creates better paths for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints as we continue yeah. to get more light and understanding. Now, where I don't go is, this is how you grow the plan, <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'm no, not, we I'm got not a
2: leader and I don't have any father's will, but I know, but to view just have it yeah. work to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we call that like, um, when, with my clients, like we all have this kind of scarcity mindset about things versus abundance and what you're saying exactly. Like, um, the plan is not scarcity. It's abundant. Like God's love, love doesn't get, um, we multiply love, love, multiplies it doesn't take away from it and so other people's happiness and part of the plan that is an abundant way of looking and if anything we know that our God is a God of abundance. Satan that. is scarcity, right? And so how you describe it is exactly like we need to look at the plan that we're missing some of the abundance of it and that everybody's part of that plan. And if their plan's a little bit different, it doesn't take away from our plan, Richard. That's really beautiful. Like to look at the plan of salvation abundantly.
0: Yes. And this is the work we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be here learning to love and take care of one another. This is the second great commandment, right? That we, that we, The first is that we look to God in all things and love him. And the second is that we take care of his people and that our neighbors and we, we can do that. And I, I testify that it will grow your testimony, not shrink it. That grow your relationship with Christ. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And Richard, this is what I think that you do for people. You give them a, a blueprint, you show them a you know, 400 and something different ways to do that. And I so love you that. About what you do. Yeah.
1: you have been the best pattern for all of us of how to
0: lift and love. So tell us as we're wrapping up here, what does it mean to you? Uh, what does lift and love mean to you?
2: Well, I'm going to give you a couple more thoughts if that's okay.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know if you've got a time limit. I love this. Um, I love, and you probably talked about, I'm just looking for the exact quote. Hang on here. It's um, it is. I want all your listeners to think of square pegs and round holes, and and so think of a board with just round holes. That represents the path for straight people, and most people are around pegs. So they fit in, mm-hmm. and so we have six children that are round pegs that fit into a round hole, and that represents their path forward as a Latter Day Saint. But then it come along these square pegs are LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, and they try to fit into round holes. We try to push them into round holes. They try to push them into round holes, and they fray. And we actually used to say they could pray us away to become a round peg and fit in. So if you think about that for a second, then it shifts the whole responsibility to us to create square holes. That's what you two are doing. That's what we can do in our congregation. Just recognize the complicated nature of their life and put our arm around. And your roof is really hard. Um, if you want to participate with us, you're welcome here. We just recognize how, and in our families, if the church obviously doesn't really have a place for people in same-sex marriages to, to fully participate in the church, but our families should. Our families can create a square pet, a hole. or families should have all sorts of holes. So all of our children, we can keep the family circle together. So fitting in is about assessing a situation and becoming who you need to be to be accepted Belonging, on the other hand, is it requires to change who we are, it requires us to be who we are. So more to your point is saying, I want to belong. I want people to know who I am. I'm coming out. I'm a square peg.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But the responsibility is on us then to create this feeling of belonging. It happens often because they're authentic. They can finally be freeing and come out. And so that's just, and the second point I wanted to share <laughs> is just to frame up potentially how hard the road is for an LGBTQ um Latter day Saints. A Brene Brown quote, it's talk about not belonging. So this feeling of not belonging is the most terrifying and destructive feeling a person can experience. It's not the same as being alone. It's the feeling that one is locked out of the possibility of human connection and powerless to change the situation. In the extreme, this oscillation isolation can lead to a sense of hopelessness, of desperation.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so that in some ways describes, you know, a gay young man or young woman just this hopelessness. It's not being alone. It's locked out of the possibility for any connection. Now I want to give a slight plug for mixed orientation marriages. Cause when I stepped in the space, I thought all those were failed. And it was cause that's all I heard about. And I, I have done enough podcasts with people in mixed orientation marriages to recognize those can be great marriages, but everybody I've done a podcast with in a mixed orientation marriage says, don't take our path and say, it's your path. Um, don't sort of say, don't weaponize our path in a way and, and say that's your path. But So I bring that up just to validate mixed orientation marriages, but also recognize that everybody's got to find their own path. And we shouldn't tell people how to make this work. But if somebody comes to the conclusion that, you know, a mixed orientation marriage doesn't work and they're going to be celibate, that can be really overwhelming. And it may lead them eventually that they, I just need a life partner. So that quote kind of also helps frame it for me the complexity of the situation. Right. Well, um, I've gone on a little long and didn't answer your question. No, so
3: oh, no. good. Well, we we'll could go ask, another hour with you. I, I
0: know. Mean. I just there's such good wisdom here. I love yes. I love your square pegs and um, round holes. Yeah. Analogy. I think we need to to really
1: expound on that. I do too. And like, I love how you said, just focusing on your family. Like if you are not creating that celestial family and that is the celestializing our relationships, right? Uh, Everybody fits in.
0: There is no edges, right? Taking away the edges. Ah, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So Richard, let me ask you as we wrap up and we hate to wrap up, but let me ask you the question. What does it mean to you to lift in love?
2: Well, two thoughts come to mind is you two are doing great work. And I just want to give you my vote, my prayers, my, all my love and support. It's not oh, an easy you. thing to do what you no. two are doing. Um, so that's, and for any other allies out there, what you're doing is hard sometimes. And you get judged sometimes, you get misunderstood. People may even question your commitment to the church, but it's often you're very commitment to the church that wants you to be an ally mm. or your commitment to follow what Christ did in his ministry. So hang in there. Yeah. And both of you, they're doing such right great things. Right back at in. you. <laughs> yes, exactly. But to me, lift and love comes back to Mosaic 18. Um, it's bear, mourn, and comfort. Sister Fiona Givens talks about to touch someone's cross. You kind of got to walk with them to understand the depth and the pain of, that they're individually carrying. So to me, lift and love is getting on someone else's road, doing a lot of listening to understand that road. And then you're in a position to lift, bear, and mourn.
0: I love it, and that's what you do. You lift, bear, yeah. and mourn, and you do it with a uh, strength and a uh, leadership. Like yeah, you, yeah, I love. Like your, I kind of view you
1: as Moroni with the um the banner, right? Yeah, the title of Liberty. Like you've brought Very us all kind. together,
0: and just you've um, made oh. space, like we said, for thousands yeah. and thousands of people and families, and hearts filled and changed. Yes, yeah. like think thank you for all you do. And we know it does, it it comes at a cost and thanks for um, bearing that cost and, and staying in this.
1: We love you for that.
0: Thank you. You're the best. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you for joining our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lift and Love podcast. And if you like what we share, we would be so grateful if you would leave us a
0: five-star rating. For more tips and resources, follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Lift and Love org and Jenny Hunter Coaching. You can also go to liftandlove.org for loads of information and entry into our free support groups. If you're interested in personal coaching, sign up at JennyHunterCoaching.com. The first appointment is free. But most importantly, remember... You are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.